Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to another episode of The Scent Life. I am Greg Mathias, and so glad to have you. Again, we are always encouraged by the comments and the feedback we get from you, our listeners, even the questions. So keep sending those in. Of course, at The Scent Life, we want to discuss everything related not only to our missionary God, but to your role in God's mission among the nations, wherever that might be. And so thank you for listening to The Scent Life. This week, we're joined uh, by Bradley Bell. I'm going to give more of an introduction in just a minute, but Bradley, thank you so much for taking time out to join us on The Scent Life. Yeah, man, it is an honor to be here. Bradley Bell, he is part of the Upstream Collective. Uh, You might be familiar with them, especially if you've listened to our podcast from the beginning. Uh, We've connected with them in the past, and really they do a lot that kind of at the heartbeat of what they do is they want to help churches do missions better. Uh, And so uh, we love them and what they do and how they are coming alongside many churches and many others to really just help them, like they say, to do missions better. And so Bradley, He uh, is a former missionary, uh, but is also the lead pastor of Antioch Church. uh, That's in Louisville, Kentucky. He's also a a writer and contributor and a missiologist with Upstream Collective. But I'm encouraged by Bradley because he and I uh, are on Team Girl. Uh, What that means is we're both the dad of girls. Uh, Bradley has three daughters. I have four myself. And so you know that anything he says you should listen to. And so uh, Brad- <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Bradley, we have you on today. Uh, the reason we do, he's, uh, he's written a book and really updated a book that's been put out before from the Upstream Collective called The Sending Church Defined. And they've just come out with the second edition. And so we're going to talk about that book. And, and the reason why is not just to talk about a book, but really to introduce this tool and even this ministry to many of our listeners out there that that might need some help as they consider their role, as they consider their church's role, or perhaps uh, as they want to season uh, how their church comes alongside them, even as they've been sent out. And so let me just start the conversation, Bradley. So second edition called The Sending Church Defined. And uh, just reading a little bit of the background of the first and now the second edition, just tell us, how did this book come about? I'm really intrigued by it. So so tell our listeners, how did this book come about? Sure. So this started as a project in like 2013, 2014. And the Upstream Collective had recognized that there was a lack of clarity about this new term and idea, the sending church. And I call it new, but it's actually ancient Christian practice if we read the New Testament. And so we thought we need to bring clarity to this particular concept so that we can help churches to do missions holistically, scripturally, and well. And so what we did, instead of writing that on our own, is we gathered a group of sending church leaders from around the country, many of them missions pastors. And so we put them into a room with a whiteboard and a lot of coffee, and we locked the door, and we said, you can, 
dangerous. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we locked the door and said, you can't leave until you write a definition of what a sending church is. And so for all the different people you might ask at that time, what a sending church is, you'd get a different definition. So some might say, well, a sending church is sending shoeboxes through Samaritan's purse. I say, okay you know, that may be part of sending. Some people would say, you know, being a sending church is being a church planting church. I know Nam even uses that language for when you send out a church planter and core team. And that's certainly a part of sending. Some people would say, well, sending church is giving money to missions. And certainly that contributes to the idea of sending. But our, um, you know, kind of angle was to say, it's more than that. Hmm. let's get at what it is. And so these leaders wrote out this sprawling apostle Paul type run on sentence definition um, that every word was labored over hmm. with intentionality as to why it belonged and other words taken out. And so what we did with this definition, and this is where I come into the upstream collective, they say your first project is going to be writing through this definition in a blog series, one word at a time. So how nerdy is this? Yeah. You're going to define a definition. It's like, okay. So they gave me 10 hours a week to invest in one word at a time. And so I take those 10 hours and research for about seven of them because we wanted this to be rooted in scripture and scholarship. Yeah. And so I would take the last few hours and then write out um, about a thousand words on that particular topic. Mm. And the blog series went fantastic. It was really useful, especially to churches. And so we thought, this is great. Let's put it in a PDF and make it available on our website. Mm. And that went so well that we decided let's put it into a book and make it available on Amazon. Mm. And so that is the story of the first edition of yeah. Sending Church Defined. Okay. No, that's really helpful, and I, I love how you put that. Just you know, the sprawling definition, which is not surprising when you get everybody coming together, trying to be on the same page. But then uh, again, then that kind of so what? What does this actually mean? And so I appreciate just the intentional investment that they uh, put in you uh, to be helpful to uh, the churches. There, definitions upon definitions upon definitions. I'm sure our listeners are just sitting on the edge of their seat, wherever they might be uh, right now. But, but tell me this, kind of as you, as, as you came together, uh, as this blog series came together, and FYI, uh, if you're interested in, in finding out some of those resources and even blogs uh, that Bradley's referring to, you can go to the Upstream Collective, all one word, dot org, the Upstream Collective, dot org. Um, uh, but, but with this, why... Why this need for so much definition? Uh, again, I love definitions. It's, it's some of the, the waters I swim in, and I think definitions are good, kind of uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I think it's the, I can't remember if it's the Cheshire Cat or whoever said it, but he said, you know, basically, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. So I do think some definition is good, but why, why this need for a definition of the sending church? Sure. So maybe to sum it up, our perspective was that there had been decades of what we might call missions malpractice. Mm. And what's behind that is the idea that um, at the center of God's mission is the local church. So we believe in the centrality of the local church and God's mission. And over, you know, it seemed like, you know, recent decades, 
at the center of God's mission was not the local church so much as it was the missions organization. And so our desire was to say, hey, let's get back to scripture. Let's bring in voices who are speaking to this so that we can build up the local church and help her to be a sending church as she was called to be and as we see modeled in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, so that the church would reflect God as a sending God as we see reflected from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So that was the heartbeat behind it so that we could practically help churches. Mm. Yeah, that that that's such a rich phrase, this idea of malpractice. And again, not necessarily combative, although it can be taken that way, but just this idea of doing a lot of good things related to God's mission among the nations, but being called back to, I think you said that earlier of, this isn't a new idea, but calling us back to really the centrality of God's mission organism, the church uh, in that sending. And so let me do this uh, for our listeners. Again, I would encourage them to, to pick up a copy of this book. They can do that through Amazon or other places. Again, uh, a good read, a very practical kind of handles uh, to what you're talking about reading. I love how it's broken down, even the chapters. It takes the definition and kind of what you said, you spent, you know, 10 or more hours on each of these words or phrases, and that's kind of how the chapters are broken down. But let me, let me read the definition, and then why don't you just work us through some of it? Uh, again, I don't want to take away from the book, uh, but, but maybe whet the appetite of our reader. So here's the definition of uh, ascending church, and so it's this. Ascending church is a local community of Christ followers— who have made a covenant together to be prayerful, deliberate, and proactive in developing, commissioning, and sending their own members, both locally and globally, often in partnership with other churches or agencies, and continuing to encourage, support, and advocate for them while making disciples cross-culturally and upon their return. That's a mouthful. It's a great yes, definition, but why don't you work us through some, maybe some highlights, some key places there. Absolutely. So I think the easiest way to break this definition down is with three phases. And these are the three phases that make up holistic and healthy sending. And it is pre-field, on-field, and post-field. So the idea of being involved in every phase of raising someone up, sending them out as a missionary, continuing to care for them while they are on the field. So sending and never letting go and then receiving them back and caring for them once they return. All three phases are integral. If you leave any of them out, Mm. then you're not holistically sending. And so let me go with the first phase. It's, it's the longest one. Mm. It includes probably two thirds of the definition. And that is intentional because if you're going to be ascending church, there's so much foundation to be laid. Right. Think of it like the Burj Khalifa in uh, Dubai. You know, before they start building this massive structure up into the sky, they mm-hmm. have to build down into the earth almost as deep to lay a foundation. And if you don't have that kind of foundation, it's not going to hold up the weight of that structure. How can local churches hold up the weight, the the significance of sending someone out to the nations to proclaim 
the gospel and to see disciples made and, and churches planted. The only way they can do that is by laying a deep foundation before that person leaves. And so the majority of that definition applies to that pre-field phase. And so you're going to hear within those uh, words of that section, lots of intentionality. So let me, let me just uh, give you some examples. Christ followers who have made a covenant together, literally you are committing to, Hey, we are in this together as a church. And for many churches, that's at the point of membership. Like at Antioch, when we have a membership class, we talk about arriving well and leaving well, because we want people to know from the very beginning, we're not bringing you into this fellowship to keep you. Ultimately Mm -hmm. we want to send you out both Mm -hmm. locally and then some of you onward to the nations. And so making a covenant together and then being prayerful, deliberate, and proactive, this is not reactive. This is not saying to someone, oh, you're interested in being a missionary? Go talk to the IMB, go talk to pioneers. They'll take care of it from here. But you taking the initiative to say, you know, I see the potential in you to possibly take steps toward being sent out both locally and then onward to the nation. So deep intentionality, and then you're commissioning them, and then you're sending your own members both locally and globally. The intentionality there is, and we'll speak to this probably later in in the uh, episode, but you're wanting to send all your members, not just some of them, but all of them locally, all of them into the neighborhood, into the classroom, into the cubicle, and then send some of them onward to the nations and often in partnership with other churches or agencies. And so I I mentioned missions malpractice earlier and the centrality of missions orgs and recent decades, but that is not to detract from the missions organization. In fact, they stepped up when the church didn't in lots of ways. Right. But what we want to do is we want to build up the church in such a way that they are taking on the primary responsibility of sending out but they are doing it in partnership with other churches and missions organizations, not trying to do it all on their own. Yeah. So I've seen local churches who, you know, some churches can pull this off. They have the resources to do it. Um, But some churches have tried to do it all themselves and then fail miserably, Mm -hmm. which is a a terrible thing to do for those that you send out. Um, And so in partnership, all that that I just described is pre-field. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a big foundation, but it's so important. It's so important. And then you get into the the next phase um, and continuing to encourage support and advocate for them while making disciples Mm cross-culturally. So again, there's that idea of you send and you never let go. You continue to invest in them, care for them, resource them in every way that you can while they are on the field. And see, there is, I mean, if anybody's tried to be in a relationship, with mm-hmm. a missionary and mm-hmm. the time and the distance that separate you just simply put things out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. yeah. That's right. But if you have laid a deep foundation of relationship through all that pre-field investment, then there's hope that that relationship will survive while that person um, is on the field. And so that's the second phase. And then the third phase, and we didn't actually have this in the first edition. This is a part of the revision in the second edition, but, Mm -hmm. and upon their return, which is the ugly duckling of the um, sending process. 
Right. Uh, it's receiving sent ones back and reintegrating them into culture, into the life of the church. You know, if, if you send the troops out, so to speak, they're often going to come back injured, scarred deeply. And mm-hmm. so the church is the perfect place to recognize that and to receive them and help them to heal and grow. And not only that, but to also receive from them their wisdom, their experience and benefit from that as a local church. And so those are kind of three phases that you might not notice at first, but that help to break down the definition. No, that's really helpful. I like those three phases. And I know you go into much more detail, uh, even in uh, your book, this idea of pre-field, on the field, or I think you call it off-field, kind of when they're on the field, and then finally post-field. And again, all of this this idea of of putting the, the church big C, putting the church back kind of central and primary. And I, I really do love that. And I think, at least from my experience, I'm seeing that more and more, more churches either stepping up or at least wanting to. And, you know, one of the biggest organizations we happen to partner with is the International Mission Board, and we're thankful for them. And I've even encouraged over the last probably four to five years or so, where even in their process, Uh, They don't just say that the church is kind of primary and sending. They've actually positioned the local church to be really hands-on and be a part really on the front end of that sending process. So I'm really encouraged by all of that. Um, And and I would say, too, I'm very – I love what you added in this updated edition. I agree. You called it the ugly duckling. Just that little phrase and upon their return, I'm I'm more and more convinced that uh, part of the reason why – um, uh, people maybe sometimes don't go back to the field, uh, or, or just while they're here in the States, they feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not back home anymore in the sense of being cared for is this idea of, we know how to celebrate, uh, we know how to send off and, and we're getting better. I think at recognizing walking alongside, but man, it just, it feels awkward and almost strange sometimes when people come back and we're not sure quite what to do with them. And I think, uh, maybe you can share just briefly this last year plus with the with this global pandemic, this upon their return hit a lot of us when we weren't expecting it. Uh, and I think it put a lot of churches on the on the hot seat of what do we do with these folks as they're back maybe for good uh, or they're back for an indetermined amount of time. Um, how have you seen that play out just briefly, maybe even in your own church? I don't know. Hey, my name is Sam Morris. I am the Director of Admissions here at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I want to personally invite you to come to the Seminary Preview Day on Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. This is a day where we will serve you to try to find out whether or not Southeastern is the place God is calling you to be equipped for the Great Commission. The cost of the day is minimal at $20 per person, uh, but you will be able to have multiple meals with faculty and staff as well as Uh, Meet the various offices on campus who will be serving you during your time here as a student. Please register today by visiting sebts.edu and going to the Visit Us page.
Yeah, absolutely. And even in my own missionary experience, man, and this is why I, uh, I say that we often only half define missions. And what I mean by that is missions is the nation's obedience to Christ. Yeah. But we often stop there. That's half of missions. The other half of missions, I believe, is not just the nation's obedience to Christ, but the church's conformity to Christ. God uses, God uses missions to conform his bride to the image of Christ. And he uses his bride to complete the mission, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can't separate those two things. And when you separate those two things, what happens is when a missionary, and this is part of my missionary experience, when a missionary is rendered incapable of doing his or her work or fulfilling his or her calling um, because of sickness, because of tragedy, mm-hmm. because of COVID, whatever, then they feel like they are failing and mm-hmm. failing God. And the reality is God is using those things just like he's using this weird time of COVID to form us more deeply into the image of his son. Mm. But if we don't define missions that way, then we just say, well, it's just a waste. If you can't Mm. live out your calling, then you're wasting your time. And I just, I don't think that's true. And so we've been able to minister. Um, I wish somebody ministered that to me when I was a missionary and wasn't able to be fulfilling my calling so to speak because i was sick and in a separate country for a while and but we've been able to minister it to those who have been sitting around here just going what is going on in my life when can it get back to normal yeah no that's that's really helpful Uh, let me ask you this just in your experience and even as you guys have written about and of course up you've updated in your book now uh, kind of those three phases and 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 again, you described, I think, really well, especially that first phase, the, the pre-field, it's like two-thirds of the definition, and it's it's really the hard work putting in those foundations, and can seem daunting if a church either hasn't done that or perhaps thinks they don't have the resources. Love how you pointed to this idea of partnering, and I think that's why uh, organizations like the Upstream Collective, they're like, look, hey, we're here. Uh, we'll help you out. Uh, we'll connect you. We'll make sure you can do it, but as you've worked with churches as they're trying to grab hold of this idea of being a sending church, uh, where do you think kind of the bigger struggles come in? What, which of those phases do you think kind of quite a few of the churches maybe struggle with a bit more? Mm. Well, certainly, I, I almost think you could go backwards on that. So it gets harder the more you move backwards. So the uh, the reentry phase is where we don't know what to do with them because we can't relate to their experience. We uh, will ask questions like, how was your trip? Whenever mm-hmm. people have invested their entire lives in a place, um, they come home and uh, they don't like American culture. They experience reverse culture shock. We don't know what to do with them because we haven't experienced that. Um, so it's really, really hard for churches to relate and to know what to do to come alongside, how to debrief, um, how to how to lament, how to, you know, weep with those who are grieving the loss of identity, you know, the loss of opportunity, um, who are trying to figure out what's next. So that's certainly one where churches struggle. Um, And then you move back from there, connecting with the missionary while they're on the field. I think uh, a church struggles to know like, okay, how can we stay connected practically? We know how we can, we say all these things like, we're going to stay connected. We're going to pray for you, you know, all these things. And then they get there and it's out of sight, out of mind, Mm -hmm. unless you build a structure, a framework Mm -hmm. for how you can mobilize 
the entire church to be okay. involved in staying connected and caring for. We often call those advocate teams mm-hmm. um, or missionary care teams. You know, and you, obviously there's security issues there, so you can't be just posting things all over the place, but you mobilize people in your congregation so the weight of that ongoing care doesn't just fall on one particular person in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then also churches uh, kind of tend to think of, okay, we need, we are missionaries out there. We can send a short-term team to them um, for our own benefit. So our people get to experience missions and that's good. But I think the greater vision in this phase is to send short-term, mid-term, long-term partners to this missionary according to their strategy and needs. So you Mm -hmm. don't say, Hey, how do we get a mission trip coming your way? Uh, we want to do a VBS or we want to run a soccer clinic, even though you're in Europe, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, what would actually be helpful to you Mm. um, for us to send and strategically come alongside you? Mm. Um, So that's the difficult part of the the second phase, the difficult part of the first phase. It's just overwhelming to think about laying that kind of foundation, you know? And so one of the one of the things that we use a lot of times to encourage people as a way to just kind of break that down simply is identification, assessment, development. Mm-hmm. So identification being, hey, we're going to intentionally go to people in our congregation and say, we we want to send you out. We want to mobilize you. Would you take a next step? Yeah, you know, like- and that step may be a short term trip. It may be we're going to walk through the sending church to find, you know, it may be like we're going to start going out in the neighborhood, prayer walking. I don't know, just small mm-hmm. first step. So that's identification. And then that moves into assessment. A lot of times we think of assessment as something that only the missions organization can do. But the missions organization doesn't know a person the way that the local church knows a person. Like I can show up for a job interview and convince you that I'm a good candidate, but you don't know me really the way that my local church really knows me. And so uh, assessment should be rooted in the local church. And Mm. hopefully there's a gospel culture that says, hey, we're going to assess you, but this doesn't mean pass fail. This Mm. means we're committed to you long haul in such a way as if you're not ready, we're going to help you get ready. Mm. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're committed to you relationally because of the gospel. And so from assessment, it moves into development. You don't just say to someone, here's how we don't think you're ready, but you say to them, here's how we think you can get ready. You need yeah. to take some, some classes. You mm. need to read these books. You need to go on a vision trip before you just show up in a place um, and try to root your life there. Different, you know, different things like that. And we really believe that churches can do those steps. Um, it's just a lot of times convincing them that they that they can. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I like that idea of not just saying what why somebody can't do something or perhaps why they can't be sent now. Because sending's not static. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it's just, hey, we need to continue to walk alongside. Maybe it's good to get to know you. Maybe there's some equipping and training. And, and even on that front end, just this idea of an intentionally reaching out to somebody. I mean, maybe even some of our listeners, maybe they're pastors or church planters, or even they're on the field. Maybe it's reaching back to their local congregations and saying, hey, I need to challenge that young man, that young woman, that family. Hey, I've seen this in you. Would you consider or would you go with me uh, as we go prayer walk or whatever it might be? I love that idea. Um, all right, just a couple more questions. It's su- such good stuff. I wish we could do this uh, longer, but, but you've kind of mentioned this. And we've hinted around it, but I think this would be helpful 
this idea of help us understand what is a sending culture and kind of this idea of a sent identity. Sure. So we would use the term sending culture instead of the term missions ministry. So a lot of times when we start talking sending church, people immediately begin thinking, oh, that's a missions ministry. You want us at our church to develop a department that is focused on missions that will then compete with all the other departments in the church. And it's like, no, no, that's not what we're talking about at all. Because of the centrality of the local church uh, in God's mission, like ascending culture informs the entire church. Mm. And so you can think of it, and this is, this is from Larry McRae because he's a coffee fanatic, but he says you can either choose espresso or you can tr- choose drip coffee. Espresso is that, that quick uh, blast of, of caffeine, and it certainly serves its purpose. But then drip coffee takes longer. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you do it right, it, it, it draws out of the coffee all this amazing flavor, and it gives you a cup of coffee that will last you in different ways throughout your morning or your afternoon. So our encouragement is instead of doing espresso style missions at your church, which is like short-term trips, you know, we're going to do things that have a quick impact so that we can hang up more flags in our, in our sanctuary. We say, no, why don't you do more drip coffee and build a sending culture that informs every single ministry in your congregation? So you're going to the children's and saying, hey, you know, we need to raise our kids to know that because they are in Christ, they have a place in God's mission. So how can we invest sending culture in them? And then you go to the youth and you do that. And you go to the college students and you do that. You go to the women's ministry and you do that. And so it's informing everyone because sending is an identity that comes upon us. And that's what I mean by a sent identity. Um, and, And so you know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is the importance of theology and the Mm -hmm. importance of terminology. That's kind of the very first chapter. So in terms of theology, we want to start with good theology and let that Mm -hmm. inform our missiology. A lot of times in missions, we start with practice when we really need to start with identity because God starts with identity and that flows into Mm -hmm. practice. And so we start with good theology, meaning we don't just start at Matthew 28 or Acts 13, the church at Antioch. We start at Genesis 1-1, and we say before the foundation of the earth, the triune God existed within himself in perfect communion, Mm -hmm. and yet he lovingly reached outside of himself and sent. He sent his word to create. He sent then his law, his prophets, and ultimately he sent his son, and then father and son send the spirit, and then father, son, and spirit send the church. It's Mm -hmm. this chain reaction of sending that works all the way through the scriptures. Hmm. And so, you know, we lean into that kind of sending theology to give us a vision that leads to terminology. Hmm. And here's the terminology I want to use. You know, a lot of times um, we'll lean into the term missionary God. And I, Hmm. I think that's fantastic. But I also see a little bit of pragmatism in that because we're looking at a particular aspect of God. Certainly it defines his character to us, but, what I want to look at is a holistic vision of who God is in his character and all his attributes that then informs, you know, because theology always enters into, you know, the practical application of it. 
you know, I want to look at a holistic uh, view to his character. And so we use the term sending God mm-hmm. based on that kind of description mm-hmm. I gave earlier of, of mm-hmm. that theological, biblical theology through scripture. And so if God is a if God is a missionary God and we're only looking at him from a particular angle, then the practical application is also limited to say some Christians are missionaries. Mm -hmm. But if we say God is a sending God, then we can say all Christians are sent once by identity, not Mm -hmm. when they take their first evangelism class, not when they go on their first mission trip, but as soon Mm -hmm. as they enter into Christ, they have a birthright in the great commission. And so we as leaders can mobilize our entire church, all of our members thinking and acting like missionaries. Mm -hmm. And, and, but that's not the end of it. So, uh, you know, if God is a sending God, then all of all Christians are sent ones and some of them are missionaries. Mm -hmm. So some of them do vocationally go out because a lot of times what happens is if you say, well, all Christians are missionaries, (laughs) then there's confusion, right? Because the the missionaries go, wait a minute. No, they're not. They don't do what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what, what we're trying to do is get at intentional language that's, that says, hey, everyone's involved in this mm-hmm. by identity. And mm-hmm. some of them have a specific vocational calling to step mm-hmm. into because of it. And so that's what I mean by, by scent identity. Yeah. No, that's really good. I mean, yeah, being always uh, precedes doing. Uh, and I think sometimes we get that flipped a lot of times, particularly in our circles and, and with something like missions. Um, And so, yeah, I love that. Just this idea of developing a sending culture uh, throughout all aspects, uh, no matter the age or stage in your church. And it really is rooted in this identity, one of who God is rooted in the scriptures, but then it's who we are if we've said yes to him. And and just in fairness to to our listeners and to Larry as well, when you say drip coffee, we're not talking about a percolator. We're not talking about Folgers. Talking about a nice, easy pour over that just really extracts all the flavors, lets the coffee bloom. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> that is an important, important clarification. I could be in big trouble with Larry if you didn't make that clarification. <laughs> well, hey, uh, this has been such a really helpful uh, conversation. I really do hope our listeners not only encourage, but I encourage them to, to get this book. Uh, again, uh, The Sending Church by Bradley Bell, again, associated with the Upstream Collective. You can go to theupstreamcollective.org to find out more there, but you can go to Amazon, pick up this book. I think it would be valuable. Again, whether you're uh, in front of the the first stage of this idea of becoming a sending church, or you feel like you've been trying to function in all three of those phases, as it were. Uh, But why don't we uh, tell us this, tell our listeners this, who, who do you recommend this book for? Yeah, so I would say it would primarily benefit church leaders who are seeking to build sending and missions at their congregation. So that could be a missions pastor, that could be a lay missions leader, that could be a missions committee. So primarily for them, but also I think it would be beneficial to get into the hands of you know, your lead pastor, your elders, especially if they're willing to read and think through these things and and help to develop sending throughout the entire congregation. Also think it could be beneficial to missionaries or missionary candidates, because a lot of times what happens is they have to lead from the second chair, Mm. meaning they're seeking to be sent out from a church that doesn't have this kind of vision. And so they have to be the ones who spark this kind of movement within the congregation who kind of uh, serve as catalysts mm-hmm. for it. And so this book can help them take those steps to do that. 
Um, and then also, I think missions organizations could benefit from this book as they wrestle with the idea of how they can come alongside local churches without usurping kind of their central role. Hmm. No, that's good. Uh, so again, I can't recommend enough um, the work of Upstream Collective, particularly this book by Bradley Bell. Again, thank you for the conversation. Uh, thank you for not only thinking and reflecting well, uh, but writing and even rewriting this book with the, with the church in mind. I think that's such a valuable thing. So thank you uh, again for your time and for all your work and this book as well. Well, let me, let me enter conversation this way. I think it'd be good. I'm going to steal straight from your book. It's not plagiarism because you're right here as the author. And so uh, you say that you use this in the life of your church. And I think it's a great way uh, really to end our conversation really at the end of the book. And hopefully this will encourage you to go out and read the rest of it. Uh, but you talk about this sending benediction for next steps. And I think we would all say we're part uh, members of churches and we're always in next steps. We can always do it better. Uh, but you say this, uh, quoting from 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, listeners uh, and everyone uh, tuning into The Scent Life, we all are sent. So thank you so much, Bradley. We appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Scent Life.